1: Uh, Big show lined up for you guys today. We're going to talk some news and notes. Local racing action is scheduled to kick off. We're going to see if Mother Nature is going to cooperate with us. We'll also get you an update from Coda, uh, has lived up to Dirk's nickname of Circuit of the Americas. Circus, excuse me, Circus of the Americas. And we'll talk about some headlines, and then uh, we're going to sit down with uh, Tom Grasso and Stan Caesar in turn number two did a great interview with those guys back in the at the uh, World of Wheels car show was that a month ago a little uh, under 3 weeks ago about, just about uh <laughs> what was it the 4th 5th and 6th i think i think so, so yeah we talked
0: to it's, them on the 6th i think
1: it's amazing how like the monday after the world of wheels car show it's just like it got filed away and is in a different part of my brain again and <laughs> i don't remember the times i don't remember the dates Nothing. It's all gone. It's been archived. <laughs> Actually, it might have even been the week after that.
0: It might have been like the week of the
1: 13th and 14th. Mm, that one.
0: No, I think it was the 5th and 6th we did the interviews, I think.
1: Uh, it would have been March 4th and 5th.
0: Uh, the 4th was a Friday. so.
1: Of March? I think, wasn't it? I'm looking at a calendar, unless my calendar is yeah. wrong.
0: Oh, well, no, your calendar is probably right. I was just thinking the fourth was the day I took Buddy to the vet, but that must have been the third. So yeah. I took him on Friday. So,
1: Anyways, Tom and Stan are going to join us in uh, turn number two. Tom's going to talk a lot about um, getting back in into the sport and giving back to the sport, especially with sponsoring a cart for a young racer who we're going to hear about coming up in a couple of weeks. And uh, we'll get an update on what's going on with Stan and how he's feeling and what's going on with him this summer. So... Lot to come. Let's kick things off by recapping the race at Circus of the Americas. Uh, they decided to get rid of the, what, green cautions, I think is what they're referred to, where basically the stage breaks where they throw the caution flag, everybody kind of bunches back up again, they all come down pit road. Well, that that's a traditional way, but there seemed to be some trickery that was going on for a while where the leaders would pit with two to go just before pit road would be closed by NASCAR and get fresh fuel and fresh tires and go back out there. Cause their aim was to uh, win the race, not necessarily the stages.
0: Right, right. That's uh, kind of what NASCAR was trying to get rid of. And actually it did set up for an interesting race until it turned into a demo derby there towards the end.
1: Yeah, I was, um, I was watching kind of the recap and then, you know, listening to some of, you know, w- when you were messaging me and talking to me about what was going on and kind of your thoughts on it and boy, we have turned a corner, no pun intended really quickly from, we love road course racing cause it's four or five opportunities for the bump and run to, it's just devolved really quickly into, I'm just going to junk this guy and get the spot.
0: Yeah. Well, especially in a track like the circus, cause that's, uh, that's the way it's designed and it's the way it's set up. It's mm-hmm. uh, uh, just only a, a handful of places that normal road courses call braking zones where you can pass somebody. Um, so it, it made for an interesting time yesterday because, uh, and they don't call them green cautions, they call them stage cautions. Yeah. So when they decided to throw those out, And also, go to the choose um, your lane for the restart. That was new this year on the road courses. So, um, you had two switches. And uh, just like the last two years, it's very common for the leaders to overdrive turn one on these restarts.
1: Because they're just trying to stay away from the guy behind them from bumping and moving them out of the corner.
0: Yeah. So they're moving their own cell phone. <laughs> so the mouse you know, they don't have to be hit. Um, but every restart yesterday, except one, I think there was some type of calamity at the first turn. And I mean, the videos were neat. They did the videos. I don't know if it was from a drone or a helicopter or what they had doing the overhead, but it was just insane watching these guys fan out six and seven cars wide And, uh, you know, a couple of them get bounced around and shuffled around and and then, you know, take off down that hill. Even though Tyler Reddick ended up winning the race, he blew one of his restarts. Actually, he blew two of the restarts, but he was just so fast. Uh, I mean, I think when he actually got in front, I think he just kind of babysat his lead over people. I don't think he just, you know, tried to beat the car into the ground and destroy the field. Mm -hmm. But he actually made an extra pit stop. He came in and he pit and gave up stage points in the first stage where Byron and all the other front runners stayed out. And, uh, you know, the announcers were talking about uh, working the race backwards, running uh, uh, 24, 24 and 20 lap segments to make the 68 laps. Well, um, Reddick and several others. You know, probably a dozen guys all pitted there with a couple laps to go in the first stage. So they were going to have to get 27 or 28 laps um, on their last stage, which was going to be a stretch.
1: Mm-hmm. You
0: know, because that, that tracks, uh what, about 3.2 miles long, if I remember right.
1: And you're saying it was going to be a stretch because of fuel, not necessarily because of quality of tires.
0: Right. Yeah. The, the tires... They kept talking about the fall off at the beginning of the race and the pre race show, but I think the fall off didn't happen like it did in practice because they had the truck race and the Xfinity race on top of the track already. So I think a lot of the abrasiveness of the track was filled in with rubber from those two races. So the give up wasn't near as bad, but uh, there was no give up for Tyler. Reddick. It was just amazing the beating he was putting on him yesterday. Yeah. If there wouldn't have been a caution, you know, and and they would have had a, a situation where everybody was going to stay on the same pit cycle, mm-hmm. he might have been able to lap just about the whole field. He was that much faster than everybody. Wow. So, I uh, mean, when so- he went by people, they couldn't get a bumper to him to turn him to try and go back around or to bump him, whatever. They couldn't touch him. He was yeah. gone.
1: He didn't and he get him. out
0: to a second lead and just stay there.
1: Like you said, he uh, he didn't finish in the top ten in stage one because he opted to come in and pit. One stage two, won the day, 50 points on the day, and he was the, pig, the big points getter by, I'm seeing, at least a William Byron who won stage one and fi- didn't finish in the top ten at stage two and uh, finished fifth on the day, ended up with 42 points. He was the second best points getter for the day. Uh, who did you end up taking?
0: I took Reddick. I remembered his two road course wins last year.
1: Yeah, I went with Byron, and I jumped up a couple of spots. Uh, yeah, I saw you crack the top
0: sixty. So congrats! Yeah,
1: I'm, a, yeah, it's it's a good day. I'm having a beer to celebrate. <laughs>
0: well, I, oh. I'm hoping they gotta be getting close to hearing the Hendricks appeal.
1: Uh, it's that's going to be one of the news stories we'll talk about, uh, or we can jump into it real quick. Uh, I think NASCAR announced on Thursday that the Hendrick appeal is going to be heard on Wednesday. So as of Tuesday of this being published, it'll be heard the following day on Wednesday.
0: Because I know uh, Hendrick said they were going to go ahead and uh, uh, start uh, sitting some of the crew chiefs
1: Mm -hmm.
0: and go ahead and start serving some of the penalties. So in all honesty, I was thinking that they were going to wait until the crew chiefs had all served their four weeks before they heard this is uh, this appeal. <laughs> and then they were going to say, you know, well, that's enough punishment. You know, mm-hmm. we're good. That's I honestly thought that was going to happen. It yeah. Really did. I know how NASCAR thinks backwards so damn much, you know, it just uh,
1: or uh, uh, or. Oh, oh, you're going to appeal. Okay. Well, since your 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 uh your crew chiefs are going to take a voluntary four week or go ahead and start serving the suspension, let's go ahead and wait it out four weeks because then they're kind of screwed if if it gets overturned and they just had their crew chiefs sit out for four weeks. Not really exactly. screwed, but well,
0: yeah, but and, you know, and then NASCAR says, yeah, we're just going to drop the penalty to twenty five driver and twenty five <laughs> over
1: corner points, and <laughs>
0: yeah, you know, which is what the penalty should have been in the first place, and maybe a two week suspension for the crew chiefs.
1: So is it as of right now, the crew chiefs are out. We're out last week at Atlanta, this week at Coda, next weekend or this coming weekend at Richmond, and then the following weekend at the Bristol Dirt, uh, Bristol on Dirt, right?
0: Well, it depends
1: what happens Wednesday. True, true. So that's the four week window. I guess I'm just kind of looking at it and seeing. Is there a big race that they're going to make sure they want their crew chiefs at, you know, maybe Martinsville or in Dover? I don't really see Talladega being a pivotal race while they would want their crew chiefs back by then.
0: Yeah. Well, see, that's, that's what I'm saying. Um, obviously the dirt race is a crapshoot.
1: shoot. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, the circus was a crapshoot. You know, if they would have wanted their guys back, I would have thought that might've been last week.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You know, maybe they would have kept them one week and then started the suspension or however, you know, but, uh, um, yeah, I, I don't think they're really worried about this four race section. Yeah, that's
1: my opinion. Yeah. I, I think that logically lines up because they, they look at the calendar and they say, we'd rather lose them for these four races rather than worst case scenario. We lose them for these four races.
0: Right. So, you know, getting into Kansas some. and Richmond.
1: Yeah. This is a typical strategy. Did Joe Gibbs do this? Or is this just Hendrick that we remember? I remember them doing this last year. Was it Joe, uh, Stuart Haas?
0: Stuart uh, Stewart has did it with Harvick. Yeah. And uh, you know, they wanted uh oh, I can't even think of Harvick's crew chief now. They've only been Children's. together.
1: Your Rodney Children. Childress.
0: Yeah. They they wanted him back definitely for Phoenix. So you remember they sat him out before? Yeah. Yep. He had to set a couple of races. So uh they went ahead and, and sat it and you know, said, Screw it, let's go. Uh, but yeah, it's it's not the first time it's happened. Um I think uh I don't know if it was Kozlowski when he was with Penske that it happened once and uh I don't think it was well yeah they got they had their suspension last year but I think they just you know their deal is pretty much cut and dried so
1: did they even <clears throat> appeal it?
0: I think they filed an appeal and withdrew it I think's what they did.
1: That's right. Yeah. Yeah. I think
0: that's what they
1: did. Oh, did they, did they, this is just, by the way, great podcasting, <laughs> great conversation, but did they, were they the team that they filed the appeal, went to the important race, and then like the Monday or Tuesday after they're like, oh, never mind, we're withdrawing our appeal. Like they basically, it seems like they appealed just to make sure they had their crew chief for that big race.
0: No, I think that was Gibbs after Pocono. Okay. I think. But, yeah, that did happen. But I'm thinking that was Gibbs after Pocono. They started the appeal process and then said, oh, no, I ain't
1: going to do that. All right. So bad days for Jimmy Johnson. Uh, his return to the Cup Series didn't even last a lap. He well, was unable to he, complete a, a lap, and he was uh, his race was ended due to the damaged vehicle policy.
0: Okay. So that must not have been him in the 84
1: at Daytona? Oh, that's right. I forgot that he was at the DS 500 <laughs> his return to road course racing in the cup <laughs> series. This is what, what you didn't hear me say. <laughs> tough day for him. Anti Dylan too. I mean, you, you spend all week. Well, not really all week, but you spend time at the racetrack getting ready for the race and you're not even able to complete a lap. Yeah, there
0: was, there was tough days for several guys. Um, and even as the announcers, you know, talk midway through that third stage that, you know, Here we are with the usual suspect in
1: the top 10. Yeah. Pardon the uh, meows in the background. My my cat has decided he wants to join the podcast. So I'm currently trying to throw things across the room to get him to chase it. But he persists on meowing at me. Um, And by the way, anybody looking for a cat, uh, (laughs) single cat household, because he's a great lovable cat, but he doesn't play well with others.
0: Yeah, uh, um, mine's sitting here. Mine's sitting here looking at the phone because I'm thinking right now he's recognizing your voice. <laughs> or maybe he's hearing uh, whiskey in the background. know. Yeah, he
1: might be hearing whiskey. Bubba Wallace, rough day for him. Completed 10 laps. His day was done. I keep seeing a bunch of clickbait articles that Bubba said he needs to be replaced and uh, rookie he stuff. Did, did he actually say that? or He said that. Yeah. He said,
0: um, last two races... I'm trying to quote it exactly. The last two races, I make two rookie mistakes, 6 years in cup, need to be replaced. Yeah. And he jumped in the golf cart. He said it, dude.
1: Yeah. Well, it's listen, I it, there's no strong, no tougher guy on him that I've noticed than him. And he's got plenty of critics that don't believe he should be anywhere near a cup series car. And uh uh I I think he's tougher on himself than they are, but um well.
0: And and that's how he prefaced the quote. I mean, uh, how how exactly did he say it? He's trying to. I think he said, "I'm trying to stay the way, stay away from the slippery slope of self doubt."
1: Mm-hmm. Hmm. So
0: yeah, you know, he's beating himself up. Yeah. And, uh, Brad uh, Keselowski, sorry. I think he's preparing himself for the beat he's going to get today. <laughs>
1: uh, then uh, Brad Kozlowski finished 35th. AJ Almendinger 34th. Austin Dillon thirty third, Christopher Bell thirty first, Joey Logano twenty eighth. Um, then I'm kind of seeing oh Ryan Blaney twenty first. He was involved in one of those. Uh, oh yeah,
0: him and AJ. Um, they were involved in some of the late race restart melee stuff. Joey Logano, they had a a new thing that I've never heard of before. Um, they ran. Uh, I don't remember what, I can't remember what Boyer called it, something with the cops. Um, Because it wasn't radar, it wasn't speeding on pit road, which they had a few guys get caught. But when they went through the S's, they could not go over the rumble strips. They had to stay on the the track. Really? And Joey Logano, very early in the race, was the first guy to get busted. And they busted several. Mm -hmm. He wasn't the only one, but he was the first one. And he was upset about it. And uh, I, I can't remember, oh, I wish I could remember what Boyer said because it really made me chuckle, you know, about the cops. Over, some kind of cops over in the S's, but I don't remember what he said. But it was <laughs> it was hilarious. And, Tyler Reddick uh, ended
1: up getting the win. Kyle Busch brought it home in second. Another good run for uh, Kyle and his new organization. Alex Bowman in the uh, 48 car ended up finishing third. Ross Chastain fourth. And William Byron, your pole sitter, ended up finishing fifth. Cindric, Stenhouse, Busher, Ty Gibbs, Todd Gilliland uh, rounded out your top 10.
0: Yeah, Ty Gibbs was there at the end. Kyle Busch wasn't a factor until very late in the race. Um, Daniel Suarez was. I'm not really sure what happened to him. because I I really don't remember. There was so much stuff that happened on those three green-white checkers. I mean, there was a lot of shuffling around. But there is a video out there of him flying through the field at speed on the cool-down lap. And as they pulled on to pit road and were coming up pit road, he started banging the back of uh, Alex Bowman.
1: Yeah. that That's something that I wanted to talk about. Do you think he's going to be facing a penalty from NASCAR? Yeah, I do. Yeah. I, it seemed like I watched that clip and I actually watched it on NASCAR's YouTube channel. And it seemed like him and, and Bowman being Suarez and Bowman ended up kind of working out what, what Suarez was upset about pretty quickly once they got out of the car. But, NASCAR has been pretty hard and fast about you do not mess with another car on the cooldown lap.
0: Well, it, like I said, it was after the cooldown lap. They were already on the pit road yeah. when he hit him a couple of times. He couldn't yeah. catch him in the on in, the cooldown. But the I clip, didn't see part where he talks to Alex Bowman, who he mm. I saw the clip where he was talking to Ross Jastain, his teammate. They had something going on during the race too. He was over giving Ross an airful.
1: Yeah, apparently there was audio of. Suarez saying where's the 1 and 48. So he was upset about those two uh, probably having to do with one of those cautions or one of those um, calamity corners that that probably he lost quite a few spots because of it. Um but yeah it, it, in that clip that I saw on the NASCAR YouTube channel you could clearly see race officials telling all the drivers to call to to slow down not necessarily telling Suarez to slow down but then that's when he rams into the back of the 48 and that just causes such a safety hazard that, quite frankly, if NASCAR doesn't do anything about it, <laughs> that's going to cause some issues. Yeah,
0: there were a lot of people on pit road. Um, it looked like they had security, actual some type of police officer, security guards, whatever, actually keeping the crowd pretty much back on like, halfway through the pit boxes. So they had a good lane. The officials were on the outside of pit road, you know, pulling all the cars up, trying to, you know, get them up where they were going to check lug nuts and do all that stuff. But it's still a spot where, if he hits somebody hard enough and they lose control, they could get into the crowd. Um, Bowman could have had his belts all undone, mm-hmm. and you know might have had his Hans device unhooked already. Could get a neck injury on a deal like that. It's a dangerous thing.
1: Yeah, I, I can't remember if it was Kenseth or Keslowski that said it, but said that that's a dangerous situation to to do that on a cool down lap, even on the racetrack, and especially on pit road because just like Dirk, just like you said you've got your belts untightened and you're not bracing for an impact and it could cause some real issues uh, with pulled muscles, strained back, you know, whatever that that'll be interesting to see what happens. And we'll find out those penalties. Usually Tuesday afternoon is when NASCAR releases those penalties.
0: Yeah. I, uh, I see a a 15 to 25 point driver penalty coming. mm -hmm. And uh, I'm going to say, a twenty-five to fifty-thousand-dollar fine. I don't yeah. think there'll be anything on a crew chief, a spotter, or owners' points. Now, they they might throw owners' points in there, but this was just all driver. So I think that's where the points will will come and be fined. And I mean, it's enough of it's a good enough car. He'll probably win a race this year again, like he did last year. Yeah. You know they're they're a top team now. This ain't no fluke. These guys are that Trackhouse Racing's for real.
1: So. All right, let's move along. We talked about the Hendrick Motorsports appeals is going to be heard on Wednesday. So hopefully we'll have information for you guys on Thursday's show. But I get the feeling that that's probably going to come out late Wednesday at best, more than likely Thursday. We'll find out if the appeals were upheld or revised or anything like that, if the penalties were upheld or revised. Um. Did want to talk about this coming weekend, Shelby County Speedway announced that they're making a couple of changes to their lineup for the awakening part one and two this coming Friday, March 31st race saver, national sprint cars, excuse me, race saver, sprint cars, stock car, sport mods, and IMCA sanctioned late models are going to be in action. And then April 1st, that's the Saturday edition. It's going to be sprint cars, stock cars, dirt, uh, stock cars with the uh, dirt crown. Hobby stocks and compacts. Also, uh, following weekend, April seventh and eighth, they're going to have the Malvern Bank SLMR series, the Malvern Bank three hundred and sixty series, and IMCA sanctioned sport mods. They posted that. I tried to look back to see what classes they shifted in and out, uh, but I, I they've done a good job of just getting rid of all the inf- all the outdated information that I, I haven't been able to find it. But race savers, stock cars, sport mods, and light models on Friday race savers stock cars hobby stocks and sport compacts on saturday and then that uh, saturday portion of the stock cars is a dirt crown event
0: oh no no modifies either day
1: no no uh they did say in their post we fully understand anyone's disappointment if these changes if these change your plans to get up and going for 2023 we'll do our best to make up the trimmed schedule this season Marketing materials will be changed to reflect this, and they have been. So um, looking at the forecast, uh, Friday is going to be kind of questionable, at least in our area. Um, I know that Eagles got practice scheduled on Friday for the Topless Nationals, uh, and that is scheduled to happen on Saturday. But I heard through the rumor mill that they're considering moving that race to Sunday, and here's why. Saturday, mostly sunny, 52. Sunday, mostly cloudy, 71. So huge difference. Um, We'll find out. I think we're going to probably find out on Tuesday what they're going to do with that. So by the time you listen to this, they may have already announced that if they decide to stick with Saturday or Sunday. Uh, It's an interesting decision, I think, because you run up against the predicament of, do we race in better weather? but on a Sunday or do we race in colder weather, but on a Saturday?
0: Well, I mean, I, I haven't seen the weather. And if you're looking at it right now, what's it look like at nine o'clock at night, both those nights, obviously it should be colder on Saturday, but it might be the same, same temperature at nine o'clock, you know, 35 to 40 degrees either night.
1: Yeah. Uh, I don't have an hourly, it doesn't give me an hourly for that far out, but Saturday night, is looking like a low of 39. Sunday night's looking like a low of 44.
0: Yeah, so, well, but again, is that low going to come at 3 o'clock in the morning? It might Mm -hmm. be, literally, it might be 3 a.m. Sunday that that's that low. Yeah. You know, after midnight, because they go midnight to midnight. They don't Mm -hmm. go 6 6 a.m. to 6 a.m. So the nighttime Sunday low might be early in the morning Sunday. So we are waiting to... I would be more worried about what the temperature is going to be at nine or 10 o'clock at night when the race yeah. shows up.
1: Yeah. And I think with a high of 72, I think I saw on Sunday, 71 or 72, you would think that, and especially with it starting on, I mean, maybe it'll start a little bit early to make sure that the, the weather is, is still warm by the time the race gets over with, you know, what Eagle, we started five six o'clock. We'll be done by nine, you know, right? Uh, it's not going to be some tracks where we're still racing at 10 or 11 o'clock at night. So, um, that'll all be coming up. Make sure you follow Shelby County Speedway, Harlan, Iowa for the latest information on the awakening part one and two this coming Friday and Saturday, and then Eagle raceway practice on Friday and then racing on Saturday for the, um, for the uh, topless nationals featuring uh topless Bragg and right late models. I am really excited about that.
0: Yeah. Like I said, they're interesting to watch. They used to be better when they uh, uh, didn't have the really enclosed cockpits like they have now.
1: Mm -hmm. All right. So the topless nationals are set to feature, again, topless, modifieds, sport mods, and late models.
0: So those are the three classes.
1: That's cool. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking it was just the late models, but I'm glad I read through that and figured out that it's it's side skirts only for modified sport mods and late models. Just three classes should be done pretty quickly. But I'm very very excited about seeing the late models at Eagle for the first time in several years.
0: Yeah, it's uh yeah, having them all topless, that. Like I said, that'll be fun.
1: Yeah.
0: I don't think I've seen a show like that before.
1: Uh, you got anything else?
0: Uh, no. I mean, uh we covered the Bubba thing, which, like I said, I was when I saw that video. Um, and I saw it maybe an hour after the race, somebody had it posted up right away, and it might have even been NASCAR's YouTube where, I, where it came from. But I was just like, dude, you don't cut your own throat, like <laughs> that just really surprised me. I yeah. need to be replaced. What you know, and like you said, you, you know, if you hadn't seen it, you wouldn't have believed it. I probably wouldn't have either. I would have said, that's clickbait.
1: Yeah. I, I like the honesty. You know, it kind of shows where his mental space is, which probably isn't in a good spot after two bad races. Uh, but I also understand people's mentality of there's been head coaches that go, that have gone to the post-race press conference and said, we got out coached today. Well, there's no better way to get replaced than to basically tell your boss, I suck thought- today.
0: <laughs> well,
1: so and- we'll see what hey, happens,
0: bro. but. There's already people calling for McDermott's head at Creighton because he couldn't make
1: the final four. Oh, my God.
0: (laughs) I think most of that was sarcasm. Probably. uh,
1: Hopefully. All right, guys, that's going to do it for us in turn number one. Tom Grosso and Stan Caesar just around the corner. We had a great conversation with these two veterans of the dirt racing community. Hang tight. We'll be right back on the front stretch. Quaker Steak & Lube in Council Bluffs continues to offer the best wings, burgers, and steaks seven days a week, along with great daily specials. Mondays are Kids Night, where kids eat for just $0.99 with the purchase of an adult entree. Tuesdays is All-You-Can-Eat Wings Night for just $17. Enjoy a half rack of baby back ribs for just $13.50 on Wednesdays, and you choose on Thursdays for just $12. You can pick between 15 fried shrimp, a pickup cheeseburger, 15 breaded wings, or 6 boneless wings. Check out Quaker Steak and & Lube and Council Bluffs on Facebook for all their daily specials. Get
2: too quick to steak and lube.
0: We're hooked up in turn two and still showing the green flag on the front stretch.
1: Welcome back to the Front Stretch, rolling into turn number two, presented by Quaker Steak & Lube, the official watering hole of the Front Stretch. Get over to Quaker Steak & Lube every Thursday during the summer for Classic Car Cruising. You can find out more information about Classic Car Cruising on their Facebook page, Quaker Steak & Lube Accounts of Lust. They'll get you all the great details and information, and uh, also the Touch of Trucks events. Uh, I think we've got Easter weekend coming.
0: That's usually about right.
1: Yeah, uh, when is Easter, by the way? I, I never pay attention
2: Four
0: weeks it's on a Sunday. Okay. Yeah.
3: Uh, it's on a
1: Sunday. Happens <laughs> about
3: this time every year.
1: <laughs> I'm just trying to because we're we're trying to we're recording ahead, so this is going to air March 28th, mm. and I'm I, knowing my luck, it would have been March 26th, would have been Easter.
3: That'd be that'd be pre uh, 305s at Shelby County Speedway.
1: Yeah. Uh, when is Easter this year? I think
0: it's bizarre that we got changing the clocks back on Even. on March 13th or March 12th. That just seems awful early for that for me. It does seem yeah. a little early. Even uh, though I think the whole thing's stupid. I by mean. the way,
1: anybody that's wondering, uh, Easter this year is April 9th. April 9th, so there you go. So the, uh, the annual uh, dinner with the Easter Bunny, um, pictures with the Easter Bunny, Easter stuff going on at Quaker Second and Lube, that'll be going on March 9th, uh, April 9th. And uh, you can find more details on their Facebook page. You've oh, already heard him talking once. I wonder if Chris is going to run a special Rabbit Stew that day.
3: Hassan Pfeffer.
1: There's a lot of rabbits you got to get for as many kids as go out there. But I need I need some rabbits, too. Uh, Tom Grosso and Stan Caesar joining us. Uh, the old duo in the announcer's booth at Sunset Speedway, Eagle. I think you guys worked together at I-80 for a little bit.
2: Yep. One season I was there. A couple old geezers.
1: Yeah. No, a couple of old experienced seasoned veterans. Yeah. Is that what
2: that is? That's yeah.
1: what that yeah seasoned veterans. Guys, uh, Tom, we were talking uh, the Thursday night of getting set up at the uh, World of Wheels Auto Show. Again, thanks to O'Reilly Auto Parts World of Wheels Auto Show for having us come out and do all of our interviews again. Um, we were talking about the Topless Nationals coming to Eagle on, uh, well, it's going to be this coming Saturday, April 1st. Um, fingers crossed. We, we, we're we recording a couple weeks in advance, so we don't know exactly what the weather's going to do, but um, you you were talking about how back in the day you know uh i think it was the 70s you were saying they, they started doing something like this
2: uh it was more like the 80s or 90s before uh roger hayden got into racetrack ownership he and actually, dabbled in some uh promotions and he did the first one i remember was a, the old greenwood speedway yeah. which is gone he uh, he leased right by i-80 and, he leased the track. and we announced that for him it was just kind of a special deal we thought it'd be like a one-off thing and they pulled the tops off the cars and it was cool i mean it was uh i think glenn Roby won the first one if i remember glenn, right glenn one. Um, yeah. well glenn's got a number of firsts uh you know god bless him he's not with us anymore but you know he won the first race at sunset speedway ever yeah uh, that was ever run there so that was 57 56 57 something like that yeah. so yeah but the topless deal is a neat deal if you've never seen it uh, I would tell anybody to come out for that because especially if you're high up enough in the grandstands uh, when you're looking down on those guys when they're coming around I mean it's it's a neat look yeah you can, you uh, can with, see uh, them without working. the roof Saw yeah, on the s-
0: well it's the cockpits have become so small and so tight now but you know back when that race was done there was a lot more room in that cockpit and you could really watch yep. the driver.
1: Yeah, and and you're talking about the halo is still there to protect the yeah driver, the roll cage oh, yeah.
2: you know all that stuff is still intact and just a sheet metal. If you look at most of these cars anyway, I mean they're primarily tubing and the body shell is just there for aerodynamics or looks yeah and advertising sponsors <laughs> a lot of sponsors yeah mm-hmm. but uh, so the roof is just a yeah it's yeah. there.
1: It, it, it's a lot of fun because you can you'll be able to see the driver working on the steering right. wheel a lot better. And, and, and that's kind of the aspect you're talking about, sitting up in the up in All the right. tall grain stands in turn number one.
2: Yeah, he called it the topless two-barrel nationals. Back then, they had to run two barrels on those cars. And uh, that's the only difference now is you're yeah. calling it to the topless nationals.
3: Then the following year was the Dwight Rick Memorial.
2: Topless two-barrel nationals.
1: This will be the—, uh, the, the uh, Soon, it'll
2: be the electric <laughs> topless <laughs> the electric nationals? nationals, right?
1: Yeah. Someday. It may happen. I, I, I got real close to taking my, my car around uh, I-80 Speedway, but unfortunately, Sarah had it that night, so I had to how take her go? automobile. Uh, I took it around on the final night, and it, it's it's always shocking to me when I pull out on the racetrack how rough it really is. Yeah. So, it really is. People you, don't realize. At the end of the night, you we get that advantage from the announcer's booth of looking over this beautiful glass, right? It's a nice, slick racetrack, but then you go and drive on it with your car, and it's... It's like hitting potholes in omaha sometimes
2: the other thing spectators don't realize is you hear a lot of it you know how how could that guy miss that guy or how did he hit him you know couldn't he see in front of him and i'll tell you when you're down on the racing surface the actual track surface you don't have a lot of vision yeah i mean you got maybe a car in front of you or two beyond that you don't you don't see Mm -hmm. you know uh, that's why they use spotters on NASCAR
1: and well, that, that was the conversation when the Kevin Ward deal happened was exactly what is these guys especially Tony's vision line of vision when he's looking well, you could turn your head a little bit but with your Hans device and the, the head and neck restraints and the, and the supports lower sideboard on yeah, the wing. on way you the really wing. can't yeah. see that far out to your, your right hand side
2: stuff happens fast out there and when you're sitting in the grandstands it's easy yeah. You know yeah you're going why didn't that guy miss that guy or you know couldn't he see that or yeah it's it's even in your lower sportsman classes
1: and even some of these guys don't have rearview mirrors
2: no they can't yeah they can't <laughs> well it, there's no
1: a, line of perspective that would allow for them to look behind them and see if there's somebody back there and
2: on a, a sprint car stuff happens fast well,
1: That's the late model stuff does too. That's what
0: the guys that will move up from like a, a two barrel to a four barrel late model—they'll tell you everything is so much faster. The
3: closing rates. Yeah. You <clears> know <throat> when you're coming up on a car in front of you. you know?
1: And we were talking last weekend with Stu Schneider about that a little mm-hmm. bit too, uh, kind of echoing that when you when you go from a three hundred five up to a three hundred sixty, you race mm-hmm. it for, you know, ten, fifteen racers, or maybe a couple of years, and maybe you bounce back down to a three hundred five. Every driver says the same thing: it slows it's down. so much slower. Like you you're able to process things a lot faster because you're used to how quick things happen in a 360, and it's even faster in a 410.
0: Well, going back to what Tom was talking about, about being able to see down the track, you know, if you're the leader, fine. You can see everything. Yeah. But if you've got one car in front of you, one of the biggest things they did several years, now, uh, 20 years, 25 years ago now, was when they went to the Lexan spoilers on these late models. Yeah. You know, because that was 7, 8 inches that was, everybody was using sheet metal. But when they went to Lexan, for about three weeks, you could see through the Lexan. <laughs> after that, it had been beat up by so many dirt clods and stuff, you couldn't see through it. But it was a big help, just as when they put the panels on the back behind the fuel cell. Because when they just had the open car there, they would come up behind somebody, and they'd just rear-end them in the middle of nowhere because they couldn't see them. So they made them put that big, uh, I don't know what that was, a two-foot by three-foot piece of oh, aluminum yeah. back there so
1: you could see the car. We're talking with Stan Caesar and Tom Grosso just always love talking these different race topics. Uh, Tom, one of the other reasons I wanted to have you on, other than to kind of talk about the topless nationals coming to Eagle this coming weekend, uh, I'd love to have you two guys up in the booth and, 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 and helping out and, and talking history and just having a good time. Cause uh, obviously you guys, that's your old homes and, and uh, you're always welcome up there. Uh, but uh, Tom, you're very involved with the Friday night action at Eagle Raceway, which is our next generation of racers.
2: Yeah, the go kart thing is really a neat deal. And, and the last couple of events that we had this last season were unbelievable. I, I see in the future that thing. Uh, they've got so many carts right now that, well, we run B features regularly. And you're thinking, this is a, a go kart, a cage cart. But there's so many kids out there that are participating now uh, moms, dads, aunts, uncles, grandma, and grandpas out there. It's like a four wheel soccer league, so to speak. And, uh, and with the closing, I mean, a little that's, sunset. That's, that's where your future's coming from. They're well,
3: going to get that much many more cars.
1: That's what I kind of wonder because uh, Joe Kaczynski has always told me for years that when a track closes, it's not automatic that everybody's going to move to tracks around, you're going to lose a few. Uh, but that's the big track. That's guys that, you know, they may have been close to retirement anyways. And, and with the closing of IAD, they think, you know what? I just don't want to drive to Harlan or I don't want to drive to Crawford County or I don't want to go. I'm just going to call it a call it quits. A little bit different with the karting world because the majority of those drivers are young and, we got, and still you know, ambitious. We got
2: guys out there on Friday nights that are bigger than me and, and you and older than us and all the way down to five-year-olds. You got to be five to race. Mm-hmm. But uh, again, the car count—I I see it just. Our last two, this last fall, were unbelievable. Uh, over a hundred, right? Over hundred yeah, thirty-four yeah. was the wow. last night we were running B features. I—I I think we'll be seeing C features this year. And wow! Yeah, it's—it is what it is.
1: Uh, and, and that's a Friday night deal. That I, uh, frankly, up in the booth on Saturday night on the front stretch, we don't promote it enough. So I, I want to definitely get you more involved in, in trying to. Get this excitement! One big change that's going to happen uh, at the end of the year that I know about is uh, is at least uh, the karting banquet is going to be the same night as the big track banquet yep. at Eagle.
2: First time ever. That's I'm kind of looking forward to that. Actually, we in the past we've always recognized <laughs> uh, the kart racers, the especially the champions yeah. on uh, the big track night. Which is at Lancaster Center. Um, the cart night, usually the cart banquet, anyway, was at Round the Bend Steakhouse, and it's a beautiful venue, but it's just not big enough, you know, for to have the whole cart, ba- the whole track banquet there. So they're going to combine the two this year, and uh, I, I think it, it's a good deal for the kids mm-hmm. and their families. A lot of them have never been to the big track banquet and i would throw that out for anybody that's interested in coming to it you don't have to be a racer you don't have to race you can anybody can come to that and uh i can tell you that size of that rivals uh, the cup series yeah and a lot of the bigger events around the nation in size i mean it's a very very big deal three hundred and fifty four. for a, for a local
1: track yeah and it's a lot of fun it, to your point you know, as Sarah always kind of tagged along to the racetrack with me, and she enjoyed it. But really, the first driver to endear herself themselves to her was Adam Gullion. Yep. And she's sitting at the table uh, a couple years. This is probably four years ago or so. I think it was the first year I came and worked with you guys. And Adam's speech at the banquet, just that's it. She was, she was in love with Adam from then on. And he needs, she's he needs to
2: be more outgoing. He needs to work on that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm kidding. Yeah,
1: well, turn off the Facebook more often and just talk a little bit more. But uh, Adam's speech at the banquet—I'll—I'll uh, I'll leave it at it. It—it uh, it was. Sarah knew exactly what he was talking about when he made his comment. Made a couple of people mad. Made a lot of people laugh. But th- that's the stuff that happens at these banquets. I mean, yeah. I, I think about. The, the last I 80 banquet and the games that we played, uh, the speeches were all really funny because there was a uh, underlining theme of thanking my smoking hot wife or my smoking hot girlfriend. And it started with our Sport Compact champion, Adam Smith. Uh, he just, he always thought, thank his smoking hot wife. So then, Everybody after that had to do it, and I think even Joe uh, thanked his smoking hot wife for all the years of, of service. And, they and so should. It's, those are the little things that happen yeah. at those banquets that you don't hear about unless you're listening to a podcast or the conversation's happening. You got to get to these banquets; they're a lot of fun.
2: Plus the stuff they give away. I mean, it's I, I would challenge any other track to you know for the amount of. of uh, gifts or whatever you want to call it that they give out yeah tires and wheels and and uh the cash you know
1: i want a loaf of bread and i'm not mad about that at all it's it was rotella's stan i know how much you're a fan of rotella's did
3: they did did i even have a banquet
1: yeah (laughs) we did it was it was sold out it was i i i did i barely got a ticket
2: we always loved rotella's (laughs) buns Yep. Absolutely. Dan's, right. Dan's cats love rotella's bread.
1: Yeah, uh, Tonks did eat that loaf also.
3: <laughs> you know, you don't need much. You just need a loaf of rotellas and a big old stick of butter.
1: Yeah, the toaster so helps. So good. Uh, talking with Stan Caesar and Tom Grasso. Uh, Tom, we talked about the karting on Friday nights. If somebody wants to get involved, who talk about a couple of the karting sources around here to go i know frank's we've talked to frank's a couple Uncle times franks. About, yeah, yeah Uncle Uncle Frank. frank's, frank's
2: is really good they're there every friday night i know if, uh, if you have Roger? an interest in it or you think you have a, a a grandson or a niece or a nephew or something like that i would just invite them out there on a friday night you know we're out there every friday night uh, there's you could talk to any of the people there they would put uh, uh your youngster in a cart you know and just let them see what they think of it yeah and uh Really, the, the cost of it is minimal by today's standards for what stuff costs. Uh, probably the biggest investment you'll have is the safety, you know, when you come up with the gloves and the boots and a, and a good helmet, fire suit you know, so on and so forth. But uh, other than that, um, anybody can do it, you know, yeah. and I, I would say come out on a Friday night. People are very friendly. It's, it's a different vibe. Than Saturday night. <laughs> uh, if for no other reason, come out and sit in on one of the driver's meetings. They have a, Roger has a, Roger Hayden has a driver's meeting every night uh, with the kids and their families, and they end it every night with, why are we here? And the answer is to have fun, and yeah. he, you know, he'll hit it two or three times, and then they start.
1: And, and yeah, it's, he, it really is. Like, I, I've seen one side of Roger doing the pit meeting on saturday night and that's probably
2: uh, a different deal than friday night
1: totally different <laughs> <laughs> i remember i remember walking away from
2: thinking you don't have to bleep anything on <laughs> friday night
1: <laughs> i thought who is that guy that is a totally different guy than, than i'm used to on saturday night he's more relaxed he's he's very personable and and uh yeah it, it's it's a whole different experience Um, How many
0: classes do they run with the carts? I know you got the heavies and the juniors. I think there's nine
2: right now. Nine. And uh, we have rookie categories in the flat carts and the cage carts. And the rookies are, uh, uh, I don't know how to put it. You run out of words with the rookie class. The helmet's usually bigger than the kid. (laughs) Um, You never turn your back when the rookies are coming up or coming off the track. Ever, never turn your back. It's wild, and uh, but they're 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 into it, and uh, they start out the first few nights with rolling, uh, with stand um, standing standing, start. standing starts till those kids get used to it, and then um, along about two or three weeks in, then they do the full rolling start like all the other categories. Yeah. But uh, the first two nights usually, uh, it, it's a very neat deal, and Roger will take them out there and actually walk them around the track. Forget the carts; they just they just take them out there and and initiate them, you know, to flags. And wow. you talk about a five-year-old kid; that's intimidating. As, aside from you got adults, you hollering at you, yeah. and and you know the flags and how the races are run, and you know a lot of them have never even been in a go kart of any kind. Yeah. So it's intimidating.
1: I and I, have, I bet I I get overwhelmed when there's something new going on that I've gotta I got to process. And you're talking about. Not only pedals and steering wheels, going into the corner, what do I do? Uh, now you've got to pay attention to walls, drivers around you, flags. Yep. Uh, do they have race severs? Yes. It's they all have
2: race receivers. That's required. So Roger can talk to him on restarts or cautions or if something's going on on the yeah. track. And that hmm. it really speeds it up. Yeah. And that's the other thing I would say is even on Saturday night, you know that. You guys know that. <laughs> he runs a very fast program. And uh, a lot of times, you know, when we were doing Saturday nights, uh, me and Stan, I mean, it's hard to get a commercial in. Mm-hmm. It's hard to get, you know, a reminder in about the concessions or because, I mean, it's it, it's almost hard when you start the night out. Mm-hmm. You're already running cars out for yeah. the first heat race yeah. in the sport mods, mm-hmm. and you're going, oh, okay, so we barely get the field set. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you guys, I'm we, sure, are doing the same thing.
1: We've had to just to make sure all the sponsors are getting at least one. We have to start a half an hour before yeah. hot laps, and just read through every one of them, talk a little bit, take a little bit of a break. Is it any easy reading all these scripts for a half an hour? Yep. Uh, but then, yeah, you you got to cram those things in there because yep. it's. We had that conversation. It, it's easier. It was easier down at I80 because bigger track. A lap was
3: more, more time.
1: Was minute and a half, two minutes. At Eagle, a lap under caution, under speed uh, is thirty-five seconds, maybe forty seconds. Um, and, and you got to get the lineup done, and then you know you got you got like Racine was like, "Well, can we get a couple of sponsor reads in there?" And I'm like, "No, <laughs> <laughs> not that I'm not willing to. It's not possible." Do yeah. you guys want to take an extra lap and give me time? And just, no, no she's, that, that's not happening. Yeah. <laughs> but no, they, yeah, run, they
2: run a quick program, and you're talking about lap lengths uh that's the one thing i liked um nothing against i-80 or or the Kaziskis or anything like that they ran a great program but that track was big Mm -hmm. and for me it was hard to see the backstretch i kind of equate eagle to the old sunset you know where it was closer to everybody Mm -hmm. i think sunset for good or bad was probably the closest track spectator wise to the front stretch wall oh Of about any track you'd ever go to and uh, they never got over the fence or they never came into the crowd ever at that track but there were some close calls you know you were very close to the action there
1: yeah Uh, we've been talking with uh, tom crosso about friday night kart racing at uh at eagle raceway if you guys want to get involved uh reach out to tom what an excellent source for karting information you can also reach out to roger hayden Uncle Frank's. There's plenty of carts around the area. You can. I think you can. Uh, uh, Roger actually rents carts for. Yeah, they built
2: triple X carts there, yeah. and that's what we use. Uh, I've got a cart for my granddaughter, and she's a year away from being old enough to race. But we've been racing a, a young guy this last year, Roman Mason. His dad uh, would sponsor us on the sprint car Butterfields Motorcycle Parts for years. And so we kind of tried to return the favor there with Roman. And he'll be going into his second year this year. He should have been a rookie last year, but he was too old. Yeah. And so you do run into that as well. But I I would just invite people to come down there on a Friday night, any Friday night, and just look around and see what you think of it. You know, I, I think you'll have a good time. Was it Roman's dad or grandfather? It was his grandfather. Okay. Bob Butterfield had the the motorcycle parts business, which they still have, on Blondo Street there. Yep. And uh, he sponsored me and my son for a number of years on the sprint car. And I, I just knew Bob. Grew up with Bob, you know, for years. And and uh, but his grandson's doing very well. They got a cart down here at the car show this weekend. And uh, it's just it's a good thing. I think it's a good family deal.
1: Absolutely. Again, we're talking with Tom about that. I want to kind of transition over, and obviously, Tom, chime in wherever you can. But we're talking with Stan Caesar, uh, middle of March. Uh, what March 11th, I think, is when it was. If you don't want to talk about it, it's perfectly fine. But I, I, I found out at the Daytona party, you've been having a little bit of health issues, and just energy is is tough to come by.
3: Not nothing serious. I, I, I guess uh, I guess it's a it's a, a symptom of having COVID. Okay. I've also heard it's having a it's a symptom of taking a COVID vaccine, but uh, uh, ever since I got on this, have a physical every year and lost some weight and watch my blood sugar, watch my blood pressure and everything. Yeah. Uh, the second the second physical, I had all uh, my blood counts were all messed up, my white counts and my red counts were all messed up, and I've been going to a specialist for, since August, and. Uh, they're still working on it, but it's just—it's just so frustrating for me because I'm usually trying to go 100 miles an hour keeping yeah. up with the kids, and uh, I haven't—I've been—I've been struggling yeah. just just due to, you know, you, you can push through the day because you have to at work and stuff like that, but at the end of the day, be exhausted. Yeah, you know?
1: it's yeah. That's always been something I've always admired about you is that you—you're at the shop early in the morning. Getting lettering, getting signs, getting stuff going. And then you're always at a racetrack Thursday, Friday, Saturday, sometimes Sunday, sometimes Tuesday, which is a late night as it is. And, uh, and, and so it having that energy it, it was critical. couple,
2: three still days. Still work working week. 90 hour weeks. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I've, I've
3: been cutting it down to 60.
0: Yeah. Uh, so, so you did all this stuff to make yourself healthy and you ended up sick
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> i hear you what's up with that i've but, been there you know and hopefully it's going to straighten itself out you know i mean yeah it can't i have my good days and my bad days you know uh, day before yesterday it was a great day yesterday not so much yeah you know but uh it just depends this weekend though i'm taking the weekend off that's
0: what i'm, I'm here did i hear that right taking a weekend off it's hearing it and seeing it happen (laughs) actually (laughs) actually actually seeing the
2: warm body (laughs) were you at the shop this morning no
3: as a matter of fact wow yeah i am impressed and tomorrow morning tomorrow morning we're running down to uh our daughter's house on platte city and uh take part of the day down there i don't know what tomorrow afternoon will bring but I, I come to the conclusion midweek that I'm trying not to let myself get far enough behind that I have to do that. Yeah. And another another problem has been trying to find help, I'm trying to find qualified people to work. You just yeah. can't do it. And I got a couple part-time people working with me, and the rest is me. Mm-hmm. So you know we're hanging in there, but but I I, I realize something's going to have to change pretty pretty soon maybe maybe something might happen oh know. yeah
1: maybe you want to talk about it no okay uh, <laughs> that's why it's a baby <laughs> we're obviously talking about uh, your your time at action science been a, a huge uh, part of the racing industry for years well, uh, with with designing some amazing wraps
3: sti- starting in 76 hand lettering cars yeah to starting the sign business in 86, and still there.
1: Something I've never actually, I don't think we've ever talked about. How did you get into this industry?
3: Sign business? Yeah. Uh, I I was going to be a a draftsman, architectural draftsman, and uh, went to college a couple years, and had an opportunity to be playing full-time in the band uh, back in the early 70s and i took that and played in the band from 70 to 91. in 92 we started you know we we had they kind of crossed each other over i uh 92 i we fin- i finally quit playing music full time but i had started the sign shop a b- actual business that doing commercial work and everything that was in 86. did you
1: did you kind of do it as a, a little extra money uh or a, a way to earn a little bit extra money for a while there
3: well, yeah, I mean, I was, like I said, I was playing in a band. That was my full time job. Yeah. Playing five, six nights a week. And that started in 70.
1: And you could actually make money doing that.
3: Playing music? Yeah. Well, back in those days, it was, it was terrific. Yeah. Uh, the, the baby boomers were all going out more often. Uh, they weren't quite so concerned with DWIs. Yeah. You know, it wasn't quite as bad, you know.
0: They'd take your booze and dump it out and let you go.
3: People were going out. People were going out. Weeknights, not just Saturday, Sunday, or Friday, Saturday, and uh, gosh, we we were we were doing it at the right time, and we made a very very good living playing music. Yeah, we and, were all
2: younger then. Yeah,
3: I hope so, but also much older now. That's I think that was the birds.
0: Just think if you knew now back then. Shh! Wow.
3: <laughs> well, I can't. You know, I can't say that. I can't say that. I've been very lucky. Uh, Happily still married. Uh, What's that? Two grown kids. (laughs) You know, business is still still, the phones ringing off the wall every day, and I just keep booking dates farther out. You know, but uh, yeah, it's it's good, and I've been trying to decommit from some things, and uh, you know, looking forward to. Maybe being able to take it a little bit easy once in a while.
1: All right. Let's talk, uh, take, talk about taking it easy. Let's talk about the uh, Stan Caesar Racing number 47.
3: Yeah. What are, the,
1: what are the tentative plans, tentative, tentative plans?
3: Uh, we started Harlan, <laughs> Iowa. <laughs> yeah. No, that's, we're not talking to Joe.
1: <laughs>
3: Start, started Harlan, Iowa, two-night, 305 show uh, that Cody will be racing my car Friday and Saturday. And then uh, then he races the 360 the following mm-hmm. weekend. Then we race at Eagle at the Icebreaker the following Saturday. And then he gets into a pretty busy schedule of racing 360s and 410s. Yeah. And my car is you get an extra night off here and there. We take the car and run it. Yeah. As long as it's still in one piece and you know we we had a little incident out at Columbus at the last race of the year and that's repaired. Motor's back in the car. We could, we could we could probably be on track in two hours. Yeah, if we had to.
1: That's kind of a deal where uh, it's uh, uh, you and Buddy have always your son Buddy have always had a very good uh, relationship. Of you guys went and raced a lot. He did. Oh, yeah. uh, he did.
3: Uh, SCCA yeah. did did club racing for a number of years, and then we evolved up the ladder into the the Pro Trans Am series. Yeah, and we were racing the fastest the fastest of the of the uh, pro class you know like camaros mustangs yeah et cetera, et cetera, corvettes and uh we got to run a few of those and it just kind of priced itself out of my my ball game but we had had some very good finishes uh finished in the 11th in the appoint standings for one year had uh had a 7th, had a ninth, and had a 13th at Elkhart Lake at Road America, which is wow. one of the fastest tracks, the Cup Series, you know, used to race there and that. Yep. And uh, and gosh, you know, we, we pull in with our 24-foot trailer and we're in a, surrounded by semis, you know. <laughs> so it was like one of those deals we happened to lose. I had a, I got a really good deal on a good motor and we had a catastrophic failure through nobody's fault. And I just, at that time, I didn't have that much extra MAD money to, to keep the thing going. Yeah. We ended up selling the car, and we split the money, and Bud took his half, put it into his house and operation down there, and I put it in the bank, and pretty soon I hear about this used 305. So I happened to buy it, and then it's like two or three weeks before the Nationals, and I hear about this used engine, <laughs> which I still have. And... uh so we missed the first three or five nationals, but we've been on all the rest of them.
1: That's awesome. Um, but anyhow,
3: and it's—I just love going to the shop and tinkering around with the car. Uh, unfortunately, lately, I, I, I don't do as much. I still go to the shop, but I spend more time on the stool than I do actually doing maintenance or tires or doing whatever I used to do on the yeah. spare car. But it comes down to handles engine maintenance, and between him and Tracy and the guys on the crew. Which are really good. Uh, we, we get it to the track every week.
1: Got a little bit lighter schedule. You were mentioning for the uh, for the forty seven this year. Um, any? I know that uh, Cody raced it quite a bit last year. Uh, did Ty race it hmm. last year?
3: Ty. Ty didn't race the forty seven. He raced raced he Cody's raced car. Cody's car. Cody was down with injury, and then uh, then when he got uh, he got released to be able to drive again, uh, we, we ran like six races. Before the, so we could qualify for the
1: nationals, ran mm-hmm. the nationals, qualified on the first night. You know, yeah, dream deal. That I, I'm glad you brought that up because that was kind of a point that I think uh, we had talked a little bit about. The the nationals dropped the requirement of needing to compete in two race saver races.
3: They did that for one year. Everybody they, 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 everybody thought it was dropped last year, but they they let everybody know it was still in effect, and then the last week they dropped it again.
1: Okay. Are you, are you a favor of that? Is it? Would you prefer? Was your was the frustration that they changed the rule at the last minute?
3: Yeah, because we we made a point to got our races in to qualify Cody. Mm-hmm. You know, because he didn't he didn't get released till mid August. Yeah. So we made every race we could go to. You know, and uh, uh, because at the time there we, we you got mixed answers when you asked somebody. No, we're, because it was off for COVID year. They figured people couldn't afford to race as often, so they said, well, let's take this take this out of the picture for the COVID year so more people can still come if they want yeah. to. I don't think, you know, the, the, the $7,000 that Belleville pays, they don't pay quite as good to the back. Roger pays 3500 but it pays really good to the back. And... I don't think that's going to bring. Who's it going to bring?
1: Yeah, Kyle Larson's
3: not going to come down and drive my car the year that Cody couldn't make it.
1: I'd heard that there Maybe. was there was three or four guys. Not that, that I ever. Were...
3: There, I, I got his number on my. On my phone.
1: <laughs> I've heard he'll, no, he'll just, race for I'm ten thousand. I'm so just kidding. Just work yeah. up the ten thousand to to pay to win thirty five hundred. Uh, <laughs> but I'd heard that it was there was three or four drivers specifically that. Something had happened leading up to it, and all of a sudden they were available to race. And so to pull those three or four drivers, they said, you know what, let's just get rid of that rule again this year. And I'm with you on the... It kind of stings those guys that I think the rule was, was it two or three races that you had to race? Yeah, raced. you
3: had to r- race three races.
1: So you guys had gone out and raced six to we make ra- sure you were good and, yeah. and, and clear because you never know if you get to the racetrack if it's going to get rained out or something's going to happen.
3: Because so. Cody wasn't actually planning on racing because he was down with the injury yeah. you know, and wasn't yeah. released to drive. So uh, he, had, he had some time, so we had some Friday and Saturday nights, and we made the best of it. And his brother, who had never drove before, got to race his car with five in it yeah. and really for all the more that he raced had a really couple couple good finishes
1: so i think that the only issue with that was that it kind of stung those guys that took the time to to get their minimum in and but other than that it's it's really kind of one of those is it a necessary rule
3: i really don't think it is anymore yeah. I, you know who's gonna who's gonna come yeah i mean there's there's some there's some hitters out there but I think even the, some of the hitters will find that if they haven't driven a 305 before, it's a different animal.
1: Yeah, it absolutely is. Talking with Stan Caesar and Tom Grasso, uh, the 47 uh, Race Saver 305 Sprint car going to be around the area. You said you're starting off in Harlan.
3: Harlan. Fingers crossed. Two, Two-nighter on the, on the uh, 30th and the 1st, okay. which I was going to tell you, I won't be at the topless race because hopefully I'll be up there. But, oh, okay. But anyhow. Then the following week, they have a 360 special up there. Then the following week, they have the icebreaker on Saturday night, so we'll be back at Eagle. And then after that, he's all over the place, racing with MSTS, with Malvern Bank, with uh, racing some specials with the 410. You know, and, and if there's an open night some night, he might hop in my car. But I, I'm at the point now, after doing it for seven years, if we don't race, it don't mean Not quite the, so yeah. much. The, the big, I, I'd rather do... Five or six really big races and race for good money yeah. then just go every week to be racing.
1: Yeah. Gentlemen, it's been a pleasure. Hey. Always love sitting down and talking with you. Always. Uh, let's do it again soon. That's going to do it for Dirk and I on today's episode of The Front Stretch. And uh, have a great week, everybody. For Dirk Houston, I'm Dan Taylor. We'll see you next week.
0: Bye. My-
1: Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair. I've been talking about a hard drive upgrade on the PubCast for quite a long time, and here's a little more detail behind it. Older laptops, older computers, maybe four or five years old, the hard drives that came with them just simply were not built for Windows 10. A new hard drive from Taylor Computers in Repair will breathe brand new life into your laptop and computer. Not only will it make it faster, but it will make your laptop battery last longer and it will run cooler, which will also help the battery last a lot longer. Not only does your computer or laptop get even faster, but all of your files, settings, pictures, everything is exactly where you left it. Within about a day, maybe two days, you're gonna get your same computer back but it's gonna run faster, cooler, and the battery's gonna last longer on laptops. Give me a call today, 402-659-5641. Find out what a hard drive upgrade can do for your computer and get some valuable time back.